As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Battle of the Bands has just completed. And that band from Toronto just rocked down the entire house. Everyone's hero, Scott Pilgrim, eases over to his love, Ramona. Now that I've defeated your seven evil exes, finally there's nothing stopping us from being together. Ramona starts looking uneasy, eyes darting around the floor. She turns away from Pilgrim. I haven't told you the whole truth. There's an ape, evil ex. Scott looks perplexed. He thought he'd already been to the worst and back again to prove his love. He half smiles and meekly asks, well, who is it? It is then that the wall of the concert hall shatters with the force of a moon and the hulking figure of the juggernaut saunters forward. Ah, uh, him, Ramona points. If, if you're what stands between me and her, then I'm going to go through you, Scott proclaims defiantly. The only thing you're going through is that wall over there. And that one, and that one, and then that one. Juggernaut taunts, and this one is about to get amped to 11. It's the power of self-respect versus the unstoppable. It's the bass player versus Captain Universe. It's Scott Pilgrim versus Juggernaut today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. Ray, I can't tell you how freakishly excited I am for this battle. This is classic Who Would Win, genre versus genre. On one side, you've got the unstoppable force, you know, the, the, the character that everyone is scared of, the juggernaut, one of Marvel Comics' most powerful characters, versus Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim, direct from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the star of graphic novels, of video games, and of an amazing movie. I can't think of a better matchup to do today. Now, of course, I did the patented Who Would Win Google search to kind of see how many millions of people have already been talking about this matchup, and you're never going to believe this. 
No one. Zero. What? Nobody. Yeah, nobody's been talking about this, Ray. This is ridiculous. I did the Google search. Nothing came up for Juggernaut versus Scott Pilgrim. And of course, we all know if it didn't appear on Google, it never happened mm-hmm. in real life ever, ever before. That's the thing. Ray, give me your thoughts on today's Look, battle. I am very excited for today's battle. I'm a big fan of the character of Juggernaut. We've seen him portrayed both very, very well, and we've seen him portrayed very, very poorly. I won't say which is which. Yet, I also am a big fan of the movie Scott Pilgrim because it's a movie that I came to much later. Only a few years ago did I see it for the first time. And I wished I'd seen it when it came out back in 2010, 2011 even. It would have been much more... It would have changed my life a lot more than it did when I saw it only a couple years ago. You know, I remember you recommending that I watch this movie, and the last recommendation you gave me was, you know, The Guardians. Great movie. Uh, everyone's, Great movie. Uh, uh, again, just one of the most horrible things I've ever had to endure in my life. So you're, so all of a sudden, Race to Kane is like, James, you got to watch Scott Pilgrim. And I remember it's like, I'm not trusting you. For whatever reason, I watched it, and oh my god, is it good. This is one of the greatest movie experiences I've ever Mm -hmm. had in my life, and I watched Mamma Mia, another great film. This movie had it all. The only thing I'm kind of upset about is that it kind of spilled the beans a little bit on Canada's uh, best guarded secret, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. I'm sure sure Canada has many deep secrets, like how to make the world's second best maple syrup. I'm very curious (laughs) what you're talking about. I thought it would be obvious. You don't, you didn't, oh, you didn't get it. Okay, here's the deal. Canadians have superpowers. There, I said it. Superpowers. Yeah, we got superpowers. Listen, think, okay, let me just put this in perspective. Why are we such nice people, but we love one of the most violent sports ever created? Of course, I'm talking about hockey. Why are we such good and cordial and really cool people, yet no other country in the world wants to mess with us? It's what all the politicians already know about us. We have superpowers. Scott Pilgrim, as great and crazy as he was in the movie, we call those average powers in Canada. Interesting. It does explain away Wayne Gretzky. We we have, really, this classic matchup. I haven't been excited about this, this kind of matchup since we did... Uh, your favorite battle back in season one. Uh, of course, I'm referring to Scooby-Doo versus Michael Myers. Oh, don't remind the, me. It, you were fantastic. I brought up some great stuff. Now, of course, Scooby-Doo had Toon Force. There's something similar at play for Scott Pilgrim. We're going to investigate this all. Now, speaking of amazing off-the-wall matchups, we have an amazing off-the-wall judge coming back yet again for another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's actor and host of the All Over VoiceOver podcast. It's Kiff Vandenhuvel. Kiff, welcome back to Who Would Win. James, Ray, thank you again so much for having me back on the show. I thought that, uh, that you wouldn't, and I'm, I'm, I'm moved uh, <laughs> deeply that you allowed me an opportunity to come back and, uh, and adjudicate this extraordinary, uh, unexpected battle. You need to use smaller words. I'm not oh, yeah. following. I'm just happy you're back. I wrote that. So, thank you. I'm oh, glad to be back. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Now, now, Kip, you, you're a very busy actor. You do a lot of great stuff. You've been extremely visible over the past couple of years, yeah. especially. Rumor has it you made a couple of appearances in the MCU. Would you uh, mind explaining that to our fans? Yes, my most recent appearance in the MCU is actually as a voiceover actor performing a uh, the voiceover work in a commercial for uh, uh, within the world of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, and I believe wow. it's episode three uh, where uh, where you hear an ad for the organization that's trying to move forward, and uh, and I'm the voiceover actor. So apparently, I'm a VO actor living in. In the in the MCU, um, but I also did some VO work in Star uh, in uh, uh, Super. 
Oh my God. In Spider-Man Far From Home, I did a little bit of work as an, an ADR for J. Jonah Jameson. I think it was uh, part of the, uh, the cut scene at the end. Always excited to be able to do small parts. I was also, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I did ADR for Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark in Avengers Endgame. What? So, yeah, so I'm, my voice is somewhere used, very small pieces, but used inside of Avengers Endgame. You're officially a thing within the MCU. You're yeah. a person. You exist. You are. This is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, rarely do I get starstruck, but you actually exist within the MCU. I'm not going to say I'm jealous. I'm pretty jealous, though. Well, That's pretty cool. So Thank when you. he says the classic line, I am Iron Man snap, really, we should be accrediting that to you. No, my I credit the whole thing to you and no uh, one else. Yes. yes. That's right. I, I loved I, I loved how you uh, explained who you were. Never mind. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> I did I don't remember there was one scene where Iron Man is flying and giving instruction to Captain America. And it was one of those lines where he was flying and I was able to uh, add a line and cover some cover some words. I voice matched Robert Downey Jr. in a couple pictures, actually. I did a bunch wow. of work in Doolittle. So that yeah. that that's pretty insane. Okay, now now speaking of insane, this is not your first time on the Who Would Win show. Yes, you know you did Master Chief versus Cyclops in an episode quite some time ago. Yes, and you know it, it was interesting how you were kind of weighing both options. I know you're an X Men fan, yeah. So you knew the lore of Cyclops, and then you know things kind of went in an interesting direction with that battle. Do you remember what was going through your mind when you were coming to the uh, the decision for that match? No, I'm going to cut I... you off, both of you, right there, because Kiff, you have a lot to answer for for that particular battle i've been <laughs> dwelling and stewing on the rage i felt inside over your statement cyclops could fall from space like master chief did and hit the earth and be fine and i'll be honest i've had many a sleepless night over the last two years <laughs> as a direct result of your words piercing my soul you know, Ray, I think if you had brought that fire and that urgency and anger that you're showing right now to your debating, it's possible that we might have had a different outcome. Because when it comes right down to it, it became about James and his defense of Cyclops versus your defense of Master Chief. And I don't think you should be upset with me. I think you should be upset with yourself for letting Master Chief down. I see oh you gosh. trying to turn it around and play the mind games with me. Thankfully, I am impervious to anything involving the mind. I understand. It's so true. And this is so true. true. That is true. Kiff, you, you weigh decisions really well. You've got your own way of seeing this. I can't actually think of a better judge for this particular episode. So last question, how familiar are you with both of these characters? Look, I, I, I've, you know, as, as, as we talked about before and here, I am a fan of the X-Men. I don't know a ton of Juggernaut's lore. He, you know, he's, he's not a regular character there. He shows up when he shows up and he's a force of nature. And I've enjoyed his, how he's shown up in different mediums. So I'm excited about this character. I'm looking forward to learning more about him because he is fascinating. There's a lot more to him than just a, you know, a powerful force of nature. At the same time, I agree with both of you about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I think that film is one of Edgar Wright's just great mashups of 
video game and visual effects and style and music. It's such a fun, exciting piece. And it's the first film that really, you know, got me excited about what Michael Sarah is doing. And it's just, it's just a blast, man. It's like, it's like our gener, this generation's big trouble, in little China. You know what I mean? It's just a whole big explosion of color and light and energy and music and fun. Um, so I, I'm a fan of both and I'm really excited to see where this goes. I got to tell you this matchup of Juggernaut versus Scott Pilgrim, it's kind of like Ray versus me. You know what I mean? Ray, yeah. you bust through the door with your big personality. I'm Ray Stacanus, and you run through walls and break people's homes. And I'm Scott Pilgrim. Nice. Everything's cool. And all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, I'm ripping people apart. This is Ray versus James, Juggernaut versus Scott Pilgrim. I can't wait for this. So with all that being said, it really is about that time. Do us the honors, Ray, and announce today's matchup. Representing Indie Comics, the only pilgrim who prefers hard rock to Plymouth rock, Scott Pilgrim. And representing Marvel Comics, the villain whose charge can only be stopped by taking away his credit card, Juggernaut. That's true. That's a fair statement. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Right. Look, I could name probably three to four different versions of the Juggernaut, and they're all fantastic. Which version are you going with today? I'm focusing on the Marvel Comics 616 version of Juggernaut. Now, I know the character in some storylines. This is a trick you like to pull, but I will not be so dirty today. There are one-off examples of him acquiring way more power than the already ridiculous amount of power that he has. I'm staying away from those storylines and using what I would consider classic Juggernaut. Got it. Okay, I will be sticking. Oddly enough, I usually go with the comic book version of a character. I'm sticking with the movie version oh. of Scott Pilgrim this time around. Oh, yeah. There's something about this film that really caught my attention. I think I can use a lot of it in today's battle. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new merch all the time. This episode of Who Would Win is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Look, we've all been there, and a good therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist can literally be life-changing, and it's never been easier to find one now with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with one in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally accessible in many areas, but the good news is that this service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room 
room like you would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash www. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering Who Would Win listeners and fans 10% off their first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash WWW. Again, that's 10% off your first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash WWW. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on the Juggernaut. The Juggernaut is an unstoppably powerful character who is mostly an evildoer in Marvel Comics. He was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and first appeared in the X-Men number 13 back in 1965. Kane Marco was a troubled soul, abused by his father and without a mother. Kane's dad had recently married and merged families with Sharon Xavier and her son, Charles, who would eventually become Professor Charles Xavier, of course, leader of the X-Men. Fighting alongside his brother in the Korean War, Kane found a hidden temple where he touched a magic gem and gained the powers of the entity Sidorak, transforming him into the Juggernaut, infusing him with power, and also collapsing the temple on his head. 
After spending years digging himself out, the Juggernaut appears on scene, causing problems for heroes across the landscape from the X-Men, Hulk, Thor, and even the Fantastic Four. Fun fact, the Juggernaut has appeared on the big screen a couple of times in recent memory. First in the atrocity known as X-Men The Last Stand, which played him up as a comedy character for comedy purposes only for whatever reason. And then he appeared again in a much more fitting portrayal in Deadpool 2, where he was unadvertised and presented as a surprise. This version was entirely CGI, and the credits list the actor who played the Juggernaut as... The Juggernaut. (laughs) But in an interview since then, the filmmakers let slip that his voice and facial captures were in fact done by none other than Deadpool actor Ryan Reynolds himself. So add Juggernaut to the number of voices in Deadpool's head. And that is Juggernaut. I remember watching Deadpool 2 when the Juggernaut first appeared, and I it was like I was at a, a some type of cool wrestling event where Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock appeared, and the crowd just went insane. Yep. Like I didn't yep. even hear what the dialogue was. It just all of a sudden he just shows up, pops up and open, and he's and I was and I went insane as well. I gotta tell you, there's nothing like it's one of those beautiful things of cinema. People talk about the Godfather, you know, or Casino, whatever it is. No, it's the Juggernaut appearing on screen in Deadpool 2. Very cinematic. You're not wrong. I've been to a lot of wrestling events where the surprise entrance will come in from the back and enter the ring and hit people and then <laughs> run away. And when when because they, they they tease a very powerful character, but like sitting in the theater, you're like, I have I don't know who they're talking about. So when Juggernaut pops out of that crate, I lost my gosh darn mind. It was one. It was <laughs> it was Hulk Hogan coming from the back to drop a leg on The Rock uh, in, in an episode of Monday or Thursday Night SmackDown. That's that's exactly how it felt seeing him come out. And they, well, yes, there are some silly things that happen with him in the movie. They generally respect the core of the character, so it felt real good to see him on screen. There's nothing like looking up on the screen and saying, oh, my God, it's the Juggernaut and absolutely giving that buy-in to the character. A hundred percent. It's amazing. Now, by the way, that's kind of how I felt when I was watching Scott Pilgrim, the movie, and it's kind of, you know, going on its really normal pace. I'm like, what's the big deal? I had no I had no expectations. And all of a sudden, this guy's a video game ninja. And I'm like, go on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. All right. With that being said, here are the details for Scott Pilgrim. Now, Scott Pilgrim first appeared in the self-titled graphic novel in August of 2004 and was created, written, and drawn by Brian Lee O'Malley. Scott Pilgrim is a 23-year-old slacker living with his roommate, Wallace Wells, in the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. He is the He's the basis for the indie rock band Sex Bomb alongside his friends Stephen Stills and Kim Pines. Scott falls in love with the mysterious Ramona Flowers, but has to defeat her seven evil exes in order to date her, led by her most recent ex-boyfriend and his archenemy, Gideon Graves. During the course of his adventures, he comes to terms with his past and learns that real power comes from accepting responsibility for his own actions. And here's an interesting fact about Scott Pilgrim. Did you know that in the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World movie, the actors don't actually blink a whole lot? It's Mm. true. The director, Edgar Wright, wanted the film to mimic the Japanese-style manga that was adopted for the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels. Now, to do that, he believed that the actors should keep their eyes open for as long as possible during the takes. Not sure if I agree with that, but if you rewatch the Scott Pilgrim movie like I did, you do notice that actors are doing a great job at not blinking as much as normal. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Kiff, do you have any questions before we get started? One question I have for you is the guideline or rule of battlefield removal. Given the nature of the power of one of the combatants, I'm curious about 
how you would define that. I know that at the conclusion of the of the battle, would battlefield removal, how, how do you define that term, and what's the extent of the battlefield? Well, if you ask Ray, it's a uh, nonsense thing that happens during fights. But if you ask me, it simply means that the, the there's a method for one of the fighters to take their opponent, put them somewhere else where they couldn't get back to the field of battle for at least two minutes. So the person can wait safely there for two minutes, walk away unharmed with no threat. That's the win. I see. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Well, you're um, very welcome, Kiff. I'm ready to light this candle. Let's see what you guys have got. Let's do it. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Juggernaut. Look, we have to open talking about this very powerful character by talking about the pure power of the Juggernaut because Scott Pilgrim is a wonderful fighter. He's very fast. He's got a lot of strength behind him. I'm sure James is going to get into that. But nothing that Scott Pilgrim can throw at the Juggernaut can even come close to the pure physicality and power that he has. One thing that I want to make clear about the Juggernaut, a lot of people are mistaken and think he is a mutant character. He is not. He is a magical-based character. All of his powers come from the Magic Gem and the Sidorak uh, character, the entity that gives him the powers as he is uh, that. What does that mean? It means that he is one of the strongest characters in all of Marvel Universe. And I say that again. He is one of the strongest characters in all of Marvel Universe. This is a guy who's been known to hold up a skyscraper that fell on top of him and he held up a gigantic skyscraper building without really having too much trouble with it. Buildings fall on people all the time. They tend to make rubble, not heavy bench press sets, okay? He also is the type of character that picks up tanks, you know, army tanks and throws them. He's the kind of guy who picks up a school bus and uses it as a weapon. (laughs) This is the kind of guy who picks up a schoolhouse and throws it at you. This is nothing that Scott Pilgrim has dealt with before. He's got some good moves, too. He's got the hand clap. You're familiar with the Hulk and his very famous hand clap maneuver, where he creates kind of a seismic sonic boom that creates earthquakes and ripples around. Well, he's used the hand clap to knock out Cyclops from a distance across an entire battlefield, and he's used the hand clap power to knock down all of Generation X simultaneously, defeating an entire team. Juggernaut fights teams. That's the entire point. He's not just strong, though. He's also fast. He was able to take out a character named Conquest, who's the type of character who could run really fast and hang with a guy named Quicksilver, who we know is one of the fastest speedsters in the Marvel Universe. Juggernaut can match that speed, at least in combat. He's been known to run 600 miles an hour. This is a guy who can move. He's nine foot five and weighs 2,000 pounds, and he can move 600 miles per hour. Are you kidding me right now? The big thing we got to talk about is this charge, because once the Juggernaut is a master of kinetic energy, his pow- one of his powers is he can generate kinetic energy at will and in an unlimited amount, which means that once the Juggernaut gets started moving, literally nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him. Not a guitar solo. <laughs> Not sick moves on a skateboard, no. And not any kind of punch that Scott Pilgrim will bring to the table. Once the Juggernaut has his sights on you, he's moving 600 miles an hour directly at you. He's going through you. He's going to bull rush you, knock you out. And the last things I want to talk about here is his combat strength. Look, you talk about having strong hold of a building. What does that mean he can do in battle? Well, we've seen the Deadpool 2 movie. I'm going to use it as a slight aside, less weight. You know how these side things go. But he grabbed Deadpool and literally ripped him in half in the movie. Upper half, lower half, threw them together. 
Deadpool got ripped in half by this character. What is he going to do if he gets his hands on poor little Michael Sarah Scott Pilgrim? The answer is Scott Pilgrim's going to be in trouble. And the last thing to mention is his legendary endurance. As he can create kinetic energy, and he's a very magical, strong character, he has the endurance for days. He can keep this fight going as long as it needs to go. We haven't seen Scott Pilgrim necessarily have a prolonged battle against anybody. If, but if we get there, I know for a fact Juggernaut's up to the challenge. Is Scott Pilgrim? I don't think he is. And that's my point number one. Okay, so I can't argue with any of that. The Juggernaut is one of the most powerful, physically powerful characters within you know the Marvel Universe, at least on the planet Earth. Quick, couple of quick questions. So he moves at super speed. He's all, you know almost ten feet tall, weighs over two thousand pounds. How good of a fighter is he? Like in other words, I know he can brawl and he can brawl pretty well. But how well of a of a refined fighter is he with his fighting technique? I would argue that he is more of a brute than he is a naturally trained fighter. He's relying on a lot of these physical gifts to make up what his technique lacks. Now, if you're going to try to put a triangle choke or an arm bar on Juggernaut, I think you're going to be in for a rude awakening, even if you're Hoist Gracie with flawless technique. I appreciate you explaining martial arts to me, right? That's well, you needed nice help, James, very clearly. I, cl- I have no idea what a triangle joke is. I've never done that in the decades of jiu-jitsu I've been doing. All right. Now, with that being said, I agree with all your points. Juggernaut is a monster, absolute monster, hard to stop. Once he gets going, who's going to stop him? Luckily, I think Scott Pilgrim can. Let me get to my point number one. Let's talk about Scott Pilgrim's superpowers. Now, here's the thing about Scott Pilgrim. He lives in a world that is ruled by video game physics. Take Toon Force and kind of manipulate that a little bit, and that's the world that Scott Pilgrim lives in, and then all of a sudden, all of his crazy feats make complete sense. His fighting ability makes sense. His ability to take out much more powerful, seemingly powerful opponents, all of this makes sense. So what are some of the powers he has? Now, according to his wiki, I love this, his powers are the power of understanding, the power of love, and unlike Ray Sicanus, he has the power of self-respect. Now, by the way, the power of love and power of self-respect are really just flaming swords he pulls out of his body that have a power of his own um but when you break his fights down with his you know the fight scenes he actually does have really interesting power so first of all he's got super strength look i'm not going to say he's as strong as a juggernaut but he's able to hit people so hard and these are super humanly powered beings from canada nonetheless that they go flying sometimes dozens if not hundreds of yards away a very powerful being he can fly we see a number of times where all of a sudden he's facing off with someone across a large distance he's off the ground and either going straight up in the air or going across the ground you know as if he's hovering across the ground this dude can fly and he can fly well he can move at super speed now how fast really how fast can you quantify this you know is he like the flash can he do an infinite mass punch kip if you don't know what that is ray would you explain that to kip real quick no great so kip what it is is when the flash you know moves in a short distance with a punch and accelerates at light speed and his his fist as a result takes on infinite mass crazy hard punch he actually scott pilgrim throws himself at someone so fast and accelerates that he hits way harder than you think he should. It's uh, Michael Sarah, not a big guy, but he's knocking people across the town as he's punching them. Uh, He's also super durable. He got thrown up in the sky, miles in the air, came crashing down, hits the ground, and gets back, gets back up, tanks it. He's like, hey, let's talk about this. Another time he gets flung into a building super hard, comes crashing down through all these different, you know, things, the balconies, whatever, and gets up and he's like, good to go. This guy is super uh, durable. 
He also can manifest objects out of thin air. Look, there's a great battle scene where he takes a guitar from out of nowhere. He gets it and then weaponizes it you know, through the music. This is someone that has these supernatural, magical, wizard-like powers that are really going to throw the juggernaut for a loop. Summoning, where he can use that same guitar to summon a kaiju-sized King Kong-looking monster that does his bidding. How does that work? And finally, he has access to something called subspace. Now, we see this through his dreams. We think it's a dream where he sees this is this girlfriend of his, Ramona, but it's not. It's actually subspace where he happens to be at that moment. And we also see a door to subspace at the end of the movie. You were talking about battlefield removal. This would be one of the keys for this, putting Juggernaut into subspace or trapping him there. Not something that's out of the question for uh, Scott Pilgrim. Look, just how powerful is he? He's so powerful that he defeats an opponent that when he delivers that one last killing blow, it's a punch, it's a headbutt, it's a kick. He turns that opponent into coins. Coins. Ray, when was the last character we, who was the last character we talked about who could hit someone so hard that they turned them into coins? The answer is Popeye. Exactly. Now, we're really not cool with how he did it or who he did it to, but the fact remains that he took opponents, hit them so hard using Toon Force, he turned them into coins. Scott Pilgrim can do the exact same thing and turns them into Canadian Toonies or Loonies, which are $1 coins or $2. They're really nice, good collectible items. Look, and this doesn't even include the fact that he's a master fighter. When I watched that movie, I got a big background in martial arts, right? I watched that movie. I counted at least 10 different styles of martial arts that he used and integrated that into like the ultimate MMA type of curriculum. It was unbelievable. Look, I'd say it's very pretty safe that Juggernaut, at the very least, hasn't fought someone with this crazy assortment and combination of powers that Scott Pilgrim has. That's my point number one. Now, you have a lot of things you're trying to pull here with Scott Pilgrim. Have we seen him take anybody to the abyss, to the other world, and leave them there before? Remember, James, it's very, very important in a who-would-win battle to stay within the character of the opponent. And I personally would never want to disgrace a battle by having a character act in a way that they would not act normally. Scott Pilgrim would not do that. So I think you should take that entire argument completely off the table for the absolute nonsense that it is and another thing Scott Pilgrim when he fights these people he turns them into coins that's wonderful I would argue that a lot of his video game powers come straight from the world of the Street Fighter video game series whether it be him throwing dragon punches and hadoukens and all of that good stuff and I would argue that if you put Juggernaut against any Street Fighter character whatsoever Juggernaut would mow through them with minimum difficulty so if we're assuming that Scott Pilgrim is on the level of a Street Fighter character Plain and simple, Juggernaut already has this one. Here's the thing. I, it's interesting to say Street Fighter. I think he's more like a – I could actually see him in Mortal Kombat if he got fused with like a god. Like, you know, I don't know. You know, who was that last opponent for Mortal Kombat we had versus Iron Fist? Oh, uh, Liu Kang, of course. Liu Kang, when he got fused like with a god and all of a sudden he had these crazy powers. It was a great That's, moment in Who Would Win History when I brought it that It was. Up. This is where I think Scott Pilgrim could fit in. Street Fighter and – love the game – Two base levels. Scott Pilgrim's at a higher power level. Now, with all this being said, Kiff, you've heard point one from Ray. You've heard point one from me. Where's your head at right now with this battle? Here's my challenge, guys. Is like Scott Pilgrim's power lives in video game physics. So he has a really specific context with which all of his power manifests. Now, if we were to put to, to have a fair fight to put Juggernaut into the video game world, you have to look at Juggernaut through that lens. So if you're using Juggernaut from, 
you know, as a, as, as a classic example from a film of, of Deadpool 2, for example, and his ability to rip Deadpool in half, like Scott Pilgrim's The World from Marvel and, and Edgar Wright's vision of uh, the Scott Pilgrim universe is really different. So that's one of the things that I'm struggling to, to, find, uh, to find common ground. Um, one touch point that I thought might be fair for this conversation, and you can tell me if this is outside the scope of the rules, but how I'm using as a metric is, okay, based on video game powers, do you remember the, the Marvel X-Men uh, upright video game that was uh, four players simultaneously? Of course, well, the you could that. How could you possibly forget it? Well, the Juggernaut was clearly one of the most, he was one of the big bosses that you fought, and it absolutely required you probably multiple players to be able to take that character down just to knock his helmet off to see his blonde hair. So as, as, as magical and as powerful as, as Scott Pilgrim is, uh, I, I, I have to give this first point to the juggernaut. I don't see the, the power matchup being remotely equal even even with the concept of them going into a video game physics world i think juggernaut can exist in that context and still be devastating and it would to for scott pilgrim to to have a chance of beating him i think it would have to be uh some sort of subspace trickery at, at which point um he'd have to I don't even know how that would work. Conj- I, I, I don't, and I'm not going to do James's work for him to create that circumstance. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give round one to Juggernaut. Interesting. And, you know, I can't fault you on that. I do think Juggernaut would exist in a monster, massive way within the world of Scott Pilgrim. Absolutely. This is good. I just hope I have a strategy that kind of plays along with all of this and kind of creates a little bit of a scenario for you. We'll see what I've got. You never well, know what's going to happen. It's a shame, James, that you don't. You never know. <laughs> all right, Ray. Well, well done. Seems you're ahead so far in this battle, but there's still a lot of battle left to fight. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for the Juggernaut. Now, we talked about the raw power and all the damage that Juggernaut can dish out, but let's talk about the fact that he's he can't take it. He's a classic character. He can dish it out, but he can't take it. The reason why he can't take it is because he's invulnerable. He doesn't take any damage. He has a magical force field all around him at all times, which block physical attacks. Now, it's not that you can't hit him. If you have a magical-based, mystical-based type of attack, you can hit him but you don't necessarily hurt him, okay? I mentioned before, he does not need to eat. He also does not need to sleep, and he does not need to breathe, which means he's perfectly fine out in space, under the lowest parts of the water, where the sea and the pressure would crush any normal character, not the juggernaut. In fact, he's taken some of the most ridiculous hits from some of the most ridiculous characters in Marvel history. Starting off with Thor. Thor hit him with something called the God Blast. It's his number one offensive maneuver, channeling all of his power and lightning and everything into one shot. And Juggernaut took it. And then when all the smoke cleared, Juggernaut was just standing there unmoved. He got hit by Rogue, one of the strongest other characters in all of Marvel. She hit him so hard that he also did not move, but all the windows down the city block shattered from the concussive force. He's been hit by the Hulk, another crazy strong character. And you can't argue Thor, Hulk, Rogue. Those characters are all stronger than Scott Pilgrim, and he has no sold all of them. But how about a character called The Stranger? The Stranger is a galactic level character on the level of Galactus, quite frankly. 
and he hit Juggernaut and could not put him down. Juggernaut fell into molten steel at one point, did not scratch him. Wolverine's adamantium claws cuts through everything, right? Not Juggernaut. He hit Juggernaut with the claws and they bounced off of him, basically. Oh, well, I guess we're just going to have to hit him with some sort of psionic or psychic attack. We've seen elements of that in the Scott Pilgrim universe. No, because he has a helmet on his head that prevents... Professor Xavier and any other psyker, I believe Jean Grey as well on record, from being able to hurt him psychically, read his mind, do anything like that at all. And in the rare cases that you can hurt him, he has, he'll just, he'll just keep going, James. At one point through a magical fire, he was reduced to a skeleton, a skeleton with a helmet. And he just kept fighting and regenerated his whole body just a few scant panels later. He said in that comic, literally, they asked him, how can you keep going when you're just a skeleton? And he says, when you have as much hate as I do, it can fuel you to keep going. If Juggernaut, as I posited this to be, is really one of the legion of evil exes, he's going to have so much hate for Scott Pilgrim deep inside of him that Scott Pilgrim cannot withstand the power of the Juggernaut and on top of it, Scott Pilgrim can't even scratch the Juggernaut. And that's my point number two. Interesting. So I like your point number one, Juggernaut is strong. Okay. Point number two, Juggernaut is durable. Does that pretty much sum up your points? I mean, if you leave the thing on the stove to boil overnight, that's what you come down with. I, I don't understand. Why would you leave something on overnight? That's dangerous, Ray. You're a monster. Now, here's a, a couple of questions for you. Ray, so you're saying if, if Scott Pilgrim tries to punch, kick, actively like hit the juggernaut with that kind of physical attack, that Scott Pilgrim's going to kind of be at the lower end of likelihood of success. Is that correct? He's not going to end up with a pile of coins in front of him. He's going to end up with a broken hand. Got it. Okay. And next question, Ray, again, because you're just so similar to the juggernaut to me. If you got reduced to a skeleton, would the amount of hate within you cause you to regenerate back into Ray? I'm not entirely convinced that if I was turned to skeleton by some sort of unfortunate blast at this moment, the hate inside me could still fuel me to win this battle against you today. Points well taken. I love everything you're coming with. Again, Juggernaut is awesome. I love the Juggernaut. I think you're doing a great job with the Juggernaut so far. Oh, why but, uh, but I still think Scott Pilgrim's got an amazing chance of this. So let me get to my point number two. Now, let's talk about the major wins and some of the Juggernaut's defeats because he does have some losses. He's got a long history. He's got some losses as well. Okay, Scott Pilgrim's wins. So, of course, you mentioned he had to battle the seven evil exes. I think it's the League of Exes, you know, to get the to be able to win over Ramona or what have you. And all of these exes had superpowers and super abilities. I'm not going to go through all of the battles that he had with all of them, but there's a few that are really interesting here that display clearly what Scott Pilgrim has overcome in terms of opponents with extreme power. So the first one is Scott Pilgrim fought and defeated the, the evil villain only known as Matthew Patel. Right? You don't get any scarier than that. It's kind of like the Doctor Doom of the Scott Pilgrim universe. So Matthew Patel had flight, super speed, super strength, super agility. Uh, he had pyrokinesis. He could throw fireballs, the whole thing. And Scott Pilgrim actually physically destroyed him with martial arts. He took him out very easily. He fought these twins, Kyle and Ken uh, Katayanagi, who could weaponize sound, 
turn uh, you know their sound into two Godzilla-sized dragon heads. Of course, he defeated them, defeated them with this guitar where he tr- you know, got this big Godzilla kaiju made out of energy to destroy the dragon heads. Really cool stuff. But now let's get to the serious stuff. He fought Captain America. I actually mean Lucas Lee, a character portrayed by Chris Evans before he took on the role of Captain America. Now, Lucas Lee was this action star from the States who had, uh, you know, super strength and super speed, could fly, had all these great powers, and also had a team of seven superhuman stunt doubles who fought Scott Pilgrim first on his behalf. Scott Pilgrim takes out the stunt doubles, fights Lucas Lee, and finds, finds that Lucas Lee is really powerful and says, hey, I hear you're really good at skateboarding. And Lucas Lee says, of course I am. I own my own skateboarding company. And the Scott Pilgrim, using that strategy, says, hey, I wonder if you could do that really cool, uh, I think it's called a grind on a railing down this wintry, snowy, icy railing all the way down. And of course, Lucas Lee, of course I can do it. So he goes down, and that's called the Canadian Death Trap, by the way. He went too fast, accelerated, and landed in a heap into a massive explosion uh, onto the ground miles away. That's how he defeated him, using his mind. He fought, in my opinion, the most powerful being in the Scott Pilgrim universe, a vegan known as Todd Ingram. And let's just face it, if you're a vegan, you already have superpowers in the regular universe as well. Now, Todd Ingram had super powerful telekinesis. And, you know, think of Darth Vader on steroids. He could fly. He could manifest objects out of the air. He was super durable. He was so powerful that he flew into space and punched a hole through the moon. All right, let's see the juggernaut do that, as powerful as the juggernaut is. That's who Todd, the superhuman vegan, was. So, of course, he's fighting Scott Pilgrim. Scott's like, okay, this is really hard. He's getting hit around. Finally, he's like, you know what? Instead of fighting, let me use my mind. So he says, hey, here's a cup of coffee. Why don't you have this? I put soy creamer into it. Now, of course, Scott, the vegan, used his vegan powers, one of them being telekinesis, uh, telepathy, and read Scott Pilgrim's mind and said, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get me to drink the non-soy, the half-and-half creamer, which wouldn't negate my vegan powers. So he said, I'll take the other one. Scott Pilgrim said, ha cool, let's take a sip. I was actually using my third eye, I don't know how this works, and I messed with your telepathy and fooled you into drinking. Of course, the vegan police come, strip him of his powers, and he's no longer superpowered. Defeats him with his mind. And if that wasn't enough, he had to defeat, after he faced the big boss, Gideon, and defeated him, with some help, mind you, he took on what was going to be the most powerful opponent I thought of the whole movie, a character named Negascott. Now, Negascott is just the negative or the dark side of Scott who's like, you know, represents his forgotten past mistakes and is a super powerful being. So how does Scott take on the super powerful being? What's he do? Oh, he talks to him, you know, gets friendly with him, uses his mind and says, hey, let's go grab brunch next week. And Negascott's like, okay, cool. That's how he beats him. He uses his mind. This guy is tactical. He's got strategy on his side. He analyzes his opponent super, super fast and comes up with a game plan to get the win. That's how great he is. Now, let's shift over to the Juggernaut's losses. He's had a few losses. Number one, he lost to the Beast. How? He's chasing after the Beast from the X-Men. The Beast goes up onto this big ledge, precarious ledge. Juggernaut thinking, I'm the Juggernaut. What could happen? Chase after him. Falls through the ledge because it couldn't take his weight. Falls all the way, what looks like hundreds of yards all the way down. Hits the ground. Can't get back up. That's a win for Beast. Of course, Spider-Man beat Juggernaut. By jumping onto his head, putting his hands over his eyes, covering his eyes, Juggernaut's punching Spider-Man, knocking around. Spider-Man's like, I just need to hold on. And he's walking, he can't see, and all of a sudden he walks into cement. And he goes into the cement about waist deep, and all of a sudden he's stuck in there and can't get out for whatever reason. He's a Juggernaut, but couldn't get out of cement. Spider-Man has that win. And finally, there were some X-Men kids from the Xavier Academy, or the Xavier Institute. Juggernaut's coming after them, and one of them said, hey, let me create a well, like a water well underneath the Juggernaut. So when he walks in, all of a sudden, 
sudden, a well is manifested. The juggernaut falls down the well, and because it's so tight, it's hard for him to kind of get out and shift his weight. Takes him forever, and that's how they defeat him. Look, Scott Pilgrim can manifest stuff. He can use his mind. That's how he's going to beat the juggernaut. And by the way, he's already defeated someone, in my opinion, more powerful than the juggernaut, Todd the Vegan. That's my point number two. I have so much to say about your absolute... I am I am incredulous right now. Some of these claims, well, yes, some of these things did happen in the movie. If you think that Scott Pilgrim is going to defeat the Juggernaut by tricking him into drinking a soy latte but with half and half in it, I think you are mistaken, James Gavsey. Look, Juggernaut had some weird losses against Spider-Man and like Beast, as you said. Now, are we positing that we're on a battlefield where a miraculous cliff will just suddenly appear that we're going to fall off, or suddenly we're on a construction site where for some reason unattended was left an entire pool of wet cement. These are weird things that happened in the comic books. I'm not going to argue that weird things don't also happen in the Scott Pilgrim universe, but Oftentimes, the way Scott Pilgrim works the situation is he does it through conversation, through becoming friends, friendly with somebody, and then tricking them into doing something they ought not do. That works against a lot of characters, but against a single-minded character wrecking machine like the Juggernaut, he doesn't show up to have tea and scones and talk about your feelings. He shows up to rip people in half. I'm sorry, are you done? Okay, good. Okay, well, look, here's the thing. I can't argue with anything that you just said. Scott Pilgrim will be able to recognize that this is a large human being who is coming at him and who is very physically powerful and hard to stop. Not too hard to read that type of character. In the fighting world, you actually want a stronger, more powerful opponent to be as aggressive as possible. Why? Because you can read them and figure them out very, very quickly. This is a thing that's done within mixed martial arts all day, every day. Now, with all that being said, Kiff, we're now at the turning point. You've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. This is where you have to tell us who you think is ahead in this battle and what does the other character have to do to pull out the win. Man. Guys, this is a this is a lot tougher than I thought it would be because after Ray's after Ray's discussion of 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 Juggernaut's invulnerability and the inability to be damaged, his magical force field, the psionics of his helmet, all these things made him a clear unstoppable force but the idea of scott pilgrim's ability to use you know like as a significantly weaker physically character to be able to use his mind to be able to influence and trick and and that kind of stuff feels like uh I, 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 that's how, that's how Scott Pilgrim, in my opinion, has to win this. And that's the only way he can win this. He is outclassed. He's outmatched. He is, he's just, he's boxing in the wrong, in the wrong arena. You know, one of, one of the points was mentioned earlier that Scott Pilgrim has, that might be the key to unlocking the juggernaut, but, but, uh, I haven't heard that brought up in this part of the conversation. So, um, and I don't want to, lay that card on the table, uh, but I, I think there's something interesting that could potentially happen. But at this point, uh, even after two rounds, and uh, it's the, the gap was, was uh, much wider after the first round, but at the second one, I'm going to edge the second point towards the juggernaut. But uh, and I, I feel like Juggernaut takes this round as well, but it's a lot closer and a lot more interesting. Scott's definitely on the ropes, and to pull out a win here has to, has to really uh, 
pull off some magic. But that's that's where I'm at right now. Interesting. Okay, so I got to agree with you. Scott Pilgrim's definitely fighting in a much higher weight class than he is used to. So this is going to take some some maneuvering. This is going to take some trickery, some mind games for him to have a hope to win. Hopefully, I'm, I'm reading what you're saying, Kiff, and I, and I think I've got the strategy that could just work. With that being said, Ray, you know, you've got some momentum. Let's see if you can finish this whole battle off with your point number three. Look, if the juggernaut has momentum, he's going to win. And the fact that he's already (laughs) charging forward means he can't be stopped. My point number three for juggernaut. Let's talk about some of the characters that he's not just defeated. Characters that he's defeated easily, okay? And each character I'm about to bring out is a power level far above a character like Scott Pilgrim, okay? As far as moves that he's made, he fought Colossus. Colossus is probably going to be the weakest character somehow on this entire list. Colossus is a being whose special power is that he is completely made of metal. He could turn his entire body to metal. What did Juggernaut do when he punched him? He drew blood. How many times did you punch a toaster and it started bleeding? That's how hard Juggernaut hit Colossus. He brought real blood from a metal character. He also, and one of my coolest favorite things that he did, is Thor threw his Mjolnir hammer at Juggernaut, okay? And Juggernaut said, I don't really want to get hit by that hammer, even though I know I could, because it's happened before, but I have a plan. Because Juggernaut's not a dumb fighter. So he grabbed Mjolnir, and then rode it back at Thor at Mjolnir speed, and absolutely devastated him, because as tough as it is to get hit by Mjolnir, getting hit by Mjolnir with Juggernaut's unstoppable charge attached to it is something none of us should want on anybody, but unfortunately, fortunately, it happened to Thor and knocked him silly. Other characters he's defeated easily. The Thing. The Thing is a character made of rock, destroyed by him. Scar. Scar is Hulk's son in one of the storylines. He was able to punch Scar so hard, he also drew blood along the way to defeat him. Captain Britain. I believe he punched Captain Britain so hard, he flew multiple city blocks away. You want to talk about battlefield removal? If you can get hit so hard, you land up in another city? That's a pretty good case for the old battlefield removal trick. He also, remember that character before I mentioned The Stranger? The Stranger, a Galactus size, Galactus power level being, he knocked down The Stranger with one of his hits. If you can knock down a Galactus level being, how is little Michael Sarah possibly going to stand up to what you are doing? He knocked out The Hulk, straight out The Hulk. The Hulk, we know The Hulk, he knocked him out. He was unconscious at the end of the hit. And one of the biggest... And this isn't even a win, but there's a character named World War Hulk, the strongest iteration of Hulk potentially of all time, at least one of, if not the most strong. And Juggernaut was fighting World War Hulk and fought him to a draw, fought him to a standstill as both realized they could not bring down the other one. So, I mean, yes, Hulk just pointed him towards a building. (laughs) And he ran through an entire building and Hulk ran away. He let World War Hulk run away. That is officially a victory for the juggernaut. As far as I'm concerned, if the other character who is World War bleeping Hulk runs away from you. But the wildest thing that he did on top of all of these wins, on top of all this ridiculousness and all these highest level characters that he's defeated, he can punch so hard that he breaks the fabric of time and space. Yes, he can punch so hard, he can create portals to other dimensions. 
You want to talk about your tune force. You want to talk about Scott Pilgrim breaking the fourth wall and Scott Pilgrim hitting someone so hard that the words KO or the letters KO appear behind this behind them in the battle. Well, Juggernaut can match that by punching you so hard it breaks the fabric of time and space. There is nothing, nothing that little Michael Sarah is going to have to withstand this kind of onslaught. And that, sorry, James, is my point number, I'm not sorry, three. Is now a good time to announce that next week's judge is Michael Sarah? <laughs> I think it's a great time to okay. announce it, yeah. Got it, okay. All right, so a few questions. Now, it's interesting, you're talking about all these amazing characters that the Juggernaut has beaten. What's really cool is that, for the most part, he's also been beaten by all those same characters. Not that that invalidates the wins. It's just kind of to put that in perspective. Hey, I wonder if there was a really cool crossover between DC and Marvel, how like Wonder Woman would do against Juggernaut. How do you think that would go? I think she would do very poorly against Juggernaut. He would absolutely throw her to the moon. That's right, Ray. Wonder Woman actually one-shotted the Juggernaut once, which ripped off his helmet, punched right through her force shield, and then punched him one more time. Crossover events. Oh, it's a crossover event. It was written in the DC universe, so of course they put Wonder Woman over. That is not him in his real world. James, again, shame on you. Yeah, so Wonder Woman two shot him. So, and that doesn't really have any relevance on this. I just, I really like Wonder Woman as a character. I just wanted to throw her into this. I agree, I, but I'm going to disregard that point. Okay, that's fair. But you had fun listening to it, though, didn't you? I did. I love Wonder Woman too. I think it will be very fun. It's all about the kids, Kiff. That's you know, right. Giving them time. All right. Now, when you talk about him breaking open or, or creating a portal because he can punch time and space so hard, I love that. By the way, uh, how good is his control over creating portals? Like, does he hit so hard? I mean, because that doesn't happen a lot. But when he hits so hard, does he know you know which portal to which dimension he's opening? Does he have any control over this? Does you know what is the deal with that? I would argue that he probably could do it when he wants to do it because he knows how hard he's hitting at any given time. He does have pretty good body control for a character his size. Now, as far as knowing how and where this portal's going to go or work, I don't think he cares. Got it. So I'm going to say he can do it if he focuses and has the time and wherewithal and awareness to do it, but it's not something he does a lot. Well, it's but a it's, good thing Scott Pilgrim's going to be doing a lot of talking and trying to be his friend because that's going to give him a lot of time. That's fair. All right. So, you know, let me go to my point number three. I think they'd be good friends, by the way. I really do. They could do brunch. I do not. Yeah. In Toronto, there's a lot of good eateries. I've been to Toronto a number of times. Uh, he all right. doesn't need to eat, James. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to, Ray. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to. All right, now let me get to my point number three. Uh, you yes. know, sure, there's a good chance Scott Pilgrim could lose this fight. It's, you know, he very well might. All right, I'm going to put that out there. I can admit that. Like Ray has painfully stated, quite painfully, uh, the Juggernaut is strong. He's seemingly impervious to pain, has some big wins. You know, Ray, this kind of reminds me of some previous matches we've done. So, Kiff, you know, for example, we did Spider-Man versus Astro Boy, where we said that in this first encounter, Astro Boy is going to get the win. But if they fought a second time, Spider-Man would learn from this experience, use some tech, figure this out, and come back and get the victory because of his experience and what have you. We said the same thing about MCU Captain America versus Batfleck. Right from the DC movie from universe. My movie. What's that? From my movie, Batman from your movie, Superman. Kid. That's yeah. right. From your movie, the movie that's you, you know that you made fantastic. By the way, might Thank I just add? Now, with that being said, you know, we, you know, Captain America from the MCU got the win, but we kind of agreed that if Batman had time to, uh, if, you know, could come back for a second battle, he could definitely come up with some tech, a plan, or whatever to get the win. 
This is the key to victory for Scott Pilgrim. Now, you're going to be saying, well, wait, how does he lose? And then how is this his key to victory in this matchup? Well, again, we're talking video game physics here. So what does Scott Pilgrim have because of this video game physics? He has extra lives. So here's what's going to happen. He's going to go into this matchup. He's going to do much better than any of us expect, but there is a chance he could get crushed by Juggernaut. And what's going to happen? He will regenerate because he has at least one extra life, as we saw in the Scott Pilgrim movie, and he's going to come back instantly with all of the experience at that exact moment, right where he takes on the Juggernaut again. And this time he's going to say, got it. Well, this is what happened to me last time, just like we did in the movie with Gideon. I'm not going to have that same approach. I need to figure out a plan. And that's where that subspace usage is going to come into place. Listen, he can create that door anywhere he wants. That's a really cool thing. It's been established in the, 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 the comic books, the graphic novels. He did it a number of times in his dreams and finally at the end of the first movie. So all of a sudden he's realizing, I'm not fighting Todd the Vegan. I'm fighting the Juggernaut. This guy is crazy. I don't want to get close enough for him to grab me, so I got to trick him. So what's going to happen is, after the experience of his first fight, he comes back instantly with his second life. Probably has more, by the way. And all of a sudden, he's going to get the Juggernaut to chase him. When he does, most likely, he'll create a door on the floor, let him fall through it, or he'll open the door and Scott Pilgrim will run in it and get the, the Juggernaut to chase him. Remember, he's not stopping running. He's got too much momentum. Juggernaut goes in, then all of a sudden, another door opens, Scott Pilgrim runs out, closes the door on either side. Juggernaut is trapped in subspace. Something that happened a lot, again, with the graphic novels, something that was alluded to within uh, the movies as well. So with all of a sudden done, when you take the video game physics, never mind everything he's done, his opponents he's beaten, and the fact that he's super smart, uses strategy, trickery, whatever he can to analyze, and the fact he's got extra lives. He can literally die, come back to life right there with all of the experience he just had to come up with an even better battle strategy with subspace. That will be how Scott Pilgrim beats the Juggernaut. Not by fighting him, not by taking him on but by luring him into subspace and leaving him there and that is my point number three james you poor poor fool you're arguing a battle strategy for a character the movie version of scott pilgrim that he never utilized he never did that so how can you possibly argue that this is obviously what he's going to come up with when in the movie the only version that you have to pull from he never did it he never did it. I don't care if Scott Pilgrim has five, 10, 20 lives. The juggernaut is going to tear through every single one of them until we see that big old scream that says game over. He has no chance in this battle and you're arguing things that he's never actually done. The question that I would ask you, Kiff, honorable judge, <laughs> all over voiceover, yes. Kiff Vandenhuvel. Star of Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yes. The best police officer I've ever seen on screen since Stabler. Yes. What I would say is, take this into consideration. When these two are fighting each other, you have to come up with the most likely answer for who would win the battle. And 10 times these two characters would fight. Is it possible? Is there some fraction of a way Scott Pilgrim might actually find a way to use whatever nonsense that James is talking about to win one of those battles? Maybe. Maybe it is. I'll be charitable today and say maybe. But nine out of 10 times these two fight. Juggernaut is going to tear Scott Pilgrim in half, not like he did Deadpool, but lengthwise, all the way down the entire body, like a terrible anime from the 90s. 
That's how Scott Pilgrim's going to go. And quite frankly, if you're Scott Pilgrim and you get destroyed by Juggernaut that way and you get an extra life, you may take a second thought. Maybe it's time I broke up with Ramona and go back and date Knives Chow again. She was perfectly fine. You know, Ray, I, I, I just you're very you're a very smart guy would not be something I would say right now. Clearly, you don't understand the Canadian mindset. Canadians don't give up. Again, just watch any hockey game. Look at Wayne Gretzky. Did he ever give up? No. Why? Because he had superpowers. Because he knew how to use them. That's why he was so great at hockey. He kind of cheated. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Don't tell anyone you know that. James, I've been watching Toronto Maple Leafs hockey, and I can tell you right now, you are wrong. I know. I've seen them give up more than my own Detroit Lions. <laughs> I know. It's it's I, I've been telling Canada, you know, I love Americans. Trust me. I live here. I love America, the whole thing. Stick to football. Uh, don't come onto our team is what I'm trying to say. Now, here's the deal. Scott Pilgrim, again, he could lose nine times, but he'll have ten lives, and that'll be the one he wins. That's what I'm going to say about that. Listen, Kiff, now it's time for you to make up your mind. Now it's time for you to use your wisdom, your Robert Downey Jr. type of of, of intellect, if you will, Tony Stark yes. intellect, I should say, and come up with a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you wouldn't mind, and tell yeah. us who wins between the Juggernaut and Scott Pilgrim. Guys, this is a classic story. It's the classic story of brain versus brawn. Am I right? Like this is about strategy versus brute force strength. And normally the story that we all want to tell is the story of how the little guy, how David defeats the Goliath, right? Using, using five little pebbles and a, and a sling and, and taunts. And the story of, of that, you know, that, that old Bible story of little David and the giant Goliath coming down, uh, when, when you look at the reality of it, David was, uh, David was probably in his late teens, early 20s, and very experienced with the, uh, with the sling. And Goliath was unusually large, but not a kaiju. Goliath was probably eight feet tall. Think Vinny from the, uh, like, you know what I mean? Uh, from from playing, uh, playing Juggernaut. So, like, the idea of a five-foot-seven man in the full flower of his youth whipping a baseball-sized rock at a guy a couple feet taller than him suddenly seems less miraculous. So I tell you that story, A, to tell a story uh, that we can all relate to, but B, also to, to separate the difference between a David and Goliath story that we have here and, uh, and the reality through this. And I think that when you look at what Scott Pilgrim can do and the, the, the vast powers and the, the video game rules, I, I think that to, to my way of thinking and what I hoped was if he would manifest the power of love, that would be the only way to stop the power of hate. <laughs> but that's not how things came through. It, it was, I, I think, Ray's description of the power of the juggernaut. And the other thing that helped me through it was when the juggernaut made that move, when Thor threw Mjolnir at him, that he didn't just take the hit or dodge it, but he created a strategy for himself to get on it and ride it that point without the power of love to combat the power of hate inside of juggernaut those are the two things that made me go with ray this time to say that the juggernaut would definitely defeat scott pilgrim in scott pilgrim uh the the world uh, versus the world unbelievable oh, sweet sweet wow. redemption wow sweet mother of pearl kiff you are a beautiful human being <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, Kip, here's the deal. The pow- I remember watching the movie going, oh, wow, what is the power of love and researching it? The power of love, I don't think, was a psychological uh, weapon that he could use. It was what he was feeling on in his anxiety places, which translated yes. to a sword coming out of his body so he could then use it. I was like, oh, yes. my God, he could use the power of love and emotionally, you know, transform. No, he can't do that at all, actually. That's not a thing. Okay. Yeah, I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it it's was. Too bad. But it's too bad. It would have been great for this. I, uh, I think it was his, it, that would have been his best choice, given what was at the sort that would be the the way because i don't think the juggernaut would stop and listen i don't think that there's that there's room if he started moving it's game over i don't i don't see you know when we talked about all the people that you know the little guys who defeated him i think to my way of thinking it's it's not about the big guys the big guys are going to fight the same way yes they're gonna it's gonna be unstoppable force versus immovable object yes but you know, Spider-Man versus Juggernaut is a different story. Pikachu versus Juggernaut is a different story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think that you know, I I thought this was extremely well debated. I think James, you were you you were fighting an uphill battle to begin with, but I'm so grateful for it because it made me think about and want to revisit Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's such a dynamic and fun movie. And, uh, and it gave me a newfound respect for Juggernaut. Congratulations, Ray. Congratulations, both of you. I'll accept uh, that. On, on a really great debate. I got to tell you, you know? this, this was great. This is one of those matches where, yeah, you're right. I came in. Scott Pilgrim was clearly the underdog. There was a small chance. But these are the type of matches I love. I got to yes. tell you. And I got I had so much fun losing this match because I tried as hard as I could. And I think I kind of showed the spot Scott Pilgrim, even though he may lose, would put up a much better fight than he than he uh, than many would expect. So I actually take Agreed. this as kind of a win. So I'm good with this. All right. Why am I still unhappy then? I just won the <laughs> battle and I'm still not very happy inside. You're a skeleton of hate. That's right. That's right. Your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. You're also a skeleton of hate. I wish I could lose that kind of weight. <laughs> I love it. You know, these, these the, the video game physics going with a juggernaut and what have you, this couldn't have been a more fun battle to research. Like a lot of the fights we have, and Ray, I think you can attest to this, we have to pour our hearts and minds and souls into the research, watching YouTube videos, reading Reddit chats and all this kind of stuff or yeah. sub forums and just going nuts on this. This was different, I think, for both of us. We we're like, oh, my God, this is such a crazy, intriguing battle with a great judge. This one, we, we both brought, or at least I did, a lot of different kind of passion to the match. And Kip, I got to yeah. tell you, great job on your part for facilitating this and matching what we were bringing to this. Awesome judge, as a, awesome job as a judge. Please come back many, many more times. Always a pleasure to have you here. With all that being said, tell our audience where they can find you. I am on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Vero at KiffVH, K-I-F-F-V-H. Also on Facebook, but uh, who's, who's using Facebook? Uh, not us. We're never on Facebook. Not us. There's no, no big Facebook, Facebook group for who would win or presence. There. Sorry, That's good to know. I'm also on TikTok uh, recording myself doing bits in the Ralph's parking lot, usually late at night, lip syncing to David Bowie's thing. My, uh, my podcast, All Over VoiceOver, is, you can find that uh, where all good podcasts are, or you can go to the website All Over VO. I just recorded an episode with a fabulous performance coach who was an Olympic diver and was one of the one of the coaches for the Olympic diving team of 1984. Oh wow! And tells extraordinary stories about self confidence, about dealing with negative self talk, about memorizing technique, uh, a ton of stuff. And it was a terrific conversation. I'm still on fire from it. So be sure to check that out. My conversation with Don Green. And then. I, 
I've got several new video games and an, an animated series and a couple other appearances on other great animated things that are coming out. Uh, so if you follow those particular spots, when the uh, when the NDAs are lifted, I'll be able to share those announcements uh, because there's some really, really fun stuff that I'm really excited to be able to participate. Uh, what was the, I, Oh, uh, one other plug that I think is great. And, you know, I, I know Rafe from Detroit, but also from the Second City and the improv community. And I just did a, a conversation on a podcast called Storm Chaser Improv. And it's three improvisers talking about improv. And I was a guest on there. And we really did a deep dive into improvisation. And if you're interested in improv, it's a great place to find me, Storm Chaser Improv. Um, otherwise, if you want voiceover coaching or direction or advice, uh, feel free to reach out to me in any of those places I mentioned or my website, kiffvh.com. You got a lot going on, and you're a super, super busy actor. Uh, this is actually really cool to see, by the way. I love it. Awesome. I love the fact that you're you're doing so much and and have so many great things going on. Awesome job. All right, now Ray. Thank you. Congratulations, another well earned victory. You did a great job. You brought your research here. I gotta tell you, it was so much fun battling you today. I don't have any insults to throw your way. How are you feeling right now? Still miserable. Still, uh, honestly, the really? joy of winning is so much less than the sadness of losing. Uh, it's truly a sad paradox of my own life to say that. Look, I walked in and I've lost other battles similar to this one. Scooby-Doo versus Michael Myers. Sure. Bane versus SpongeBob SquarePants another, really sits ill with me, quite frankly. Another great episode. So the fact that I was able to get over <laughs> on this particular matchup, the fact that I was able to win this matchup really means more to me. And someday... Decades from now, I'll be able to look back and smile at what I accomplished today. Look, I could be doing my own plugs. I could be talking about my Twitter account, at Almighty Ray. Obviously, we're going to be celebrating hashtag Victory Friday. I want to give Kiff, because he's such a smart judge, and he made such a great decision today. I'm going to give him one more plug, because he is in one of my favorite survival horror video games yeah. of all time, uh -huh. the classic The Evil Within. Yeah. So wow. look. Evil Within is one of the best modern survival horror games you're going to find. If you have not checked it out and are a fan of that genre, you must do it. Do it for Kiff. Agreed. Do it for Kiff. I play you will you you don't have to get very far in to meet me. I play a cop named Martin uh, and uh it was uh thank you for that plug. It is a terrific game. It's terrifying. Absolutely. Terrifying. So good. Kiff, I, I don't know if I ever told you this. You know what my favorite performance of yours is? of mine mm -mm. it's uh it was a serious role you brought a lot of gravitas to it and uh, brought tears to my eyes you played uh richie rich's father yes on the netflix series richie rich i remember watching it and i was watching it with my kids and I'm, i don't know why i loved it i went nuts for it and then when you came on last time i'm like wait, wait kiff is what richie rich's dad is coming on who would win i went i didn't really i was too i was kind of giddy i didn't say anything so i, I felt like i That's needed to awesome. say that i love all your oh, stuff man. you're you're listen Thank the you. mcu appearances and everything else you're doing video game stuff is great but i just don't think i mean that was a once in a lifetime meryl streep type of performance you yeah, gave with the richie rich series by the way i'm not kidding it's actually awesome just putting that out i there. thank you you know parents hate it uh so many parents <laughs> hated us we got the reviews were five star and half one star on Netflix. And uh, all I know is Netflix loves it because they keep it on and kids love it and keep discovering it. It's, it's stupid. We had jetpacks and dinosaurs and, 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 and time travel and all the things that you would want to have in a kid's show. And, and I got, I really got complete autonomy to do all kinds of 
lunacy. I mean, it was wonderful to be able to explore as a comedic actor and, and to have the experience of working with those kids and all the directors. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a once in a lifetime experience and I'm so grateful that you, that your family found it and that you enjoyed it. Uh, it was a blast. I mean, I'll never forget learning the Michael Jackson dance routine or wearing the, wearing the, uh, the suit of armor or the chicken nugget suit or, the popcorn beer hat you know, with popcorn and butter on sure. one. Like all those pops. So And, and Anthony Anderson coming in. I remember. I'm going, like, wait. So random. Like, what? Wait, His son was on the happen? show, so Anthony came in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but, man, yeah, so great. So thank you very much. No, you're, well, and all, all kidding aside, it was a great show. All of your stuff you do is fantastic. But I remember watching it going, like, like thinking, this is exactly what I want my kids to watch. Great lessons, you know, awesome. really positive messages of, a, of of rich parents living in a really good big house. Anyway, I just loved it. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So great awesome. job. All right. So you Thanks. can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group, Kiff, to make a suggestion for a matchup yes. for the show to be part of our growing community. <laughs> we actually do have a big Facebook presence, oddly enough. Yeah, I know. I just I just commented on there, uh, Modoc versus a volleyball. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was great suggestion, Wilson. by the way. We went slightly <laughs> different with the Marshall and Manhunter, yeah. but it, it was yes. brought up in the production team of, of volleyball that, that we, we we considered it. You can <laughs> also glad. find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you go for your podcast and video content. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Stikanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! And Knowing is Half the Podcast. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.